Setting a precedent? FBI removes web shells from infected exchange servers. And why the BEC scam business keeps booming. These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hi, I'm Anna Delaney. In a possibly unprecedented move, the FBI is removing malicious web shells from hundreds of Microsoft Exchange servers targeted by the recent Hafnium attacks. As with any precedent, questions remain. ISMG's Jeremy Kirk, Managing Editor of Security and Technology, investigates. Should the government clean malware off your company's exchange server? That's a question that's abruptly surfaced after an interesting announcement from the U.S. Department of Justice on Tuesday. A federal court in Texas gave the FBI go-ahead to remove malware from Microsoft Exchange servers. Those servers were infected in a wave of zero-day attacks earlier this year. The FBI undertook the action without the knowledge of those systems' owners, although it is trying to contact those organizations. Experts say it may be the first time a court has authorized such an action in the U.S. The FBI is removing web shells or scripts that allow remote access from the exchange servers of organizations in eight states. The operation is authorized to run through April 23rd. Those exchange servers were infected by attack groups using four zero-day vulnerabilities. Microsoft patched the issues on March 2nd as a set of emergency patches, but organizations have to do several things to get back into a secure state. They have to patch and they also have to remove web shells or other malware that was left behind by the attackers. It appears the US government is worried that organizations haven't removed those web shells, which means even if those organizations have patched, their systems could be infected again. So what the FBI has done is log itself into those web shells and then triggered them to delete themselves. How is the government able to do this? Modification of computers without authorization is a crime. So U.S. law enforcement was granted wider powers under the Federal Rules of Criminal Procedure in 2016. There was a change to a rule called Rule 41 that gave investigators wider leeway to fight botnets in child pornography cases. It also allows for modifying computers that have been infected with malware. Experts have floated the idea of cleanup actions as a way to remediate large-scale infections such as botnets, but the idea is fraught with liability concerns such as what to do if a well-meaning action undertaken without permission ends up damaging a computer. Other countries have experimented with interventions like this. In 2010, Dutch authorities uploaded a program to computers worldwide that were infected with the Brito Lab botnet code. The program redirected those users' web browsers to a website run by police informing them that their computer had been infected and how to remove the infection. The FBI's move is being cautiously praised. Stephen Adair is a CEO and co-founder of the computer security firm Velexity. His firm was one of the first to spot zero-day attacks using the exchange flaws in early January. He tells me it's a surprisingly good turn of events. If the operation removes web shells from organizations who have patched, it could help prevent more damage. But therein lies the wrinkle. The court documents indicate that many organizations haven't patched, which means even if the FBI removes the web shell, the organization could be infected again. Alexander Orbelis is a partner at the Blackstone Law Group in New York and former acting CISO for the U.S. National Football League. He says the FBI's actions are well-intentioned and proactive, and organizations are unlikely to complain about it. But it does raise privacy, civil liberties, and cybersecurity issues. Here's Alexander. From, from a cyber security perspective, the FBI has introduced change into the environments of many on-premises exchange servers. 
right? that that can mm-hmm. be dangerous. I mean, minor minor as it is, it's still the federal government. Uh, you know, it's still a federal government law enforcement agency paternalistically accessing private servers and altering private data without any notice to the data controllers whatsoever. There's another aspect as well. The FBI consulted technical experts to ensure its operation was carried out carefully, but Urbelis argues that there's always the risk of unintended consequences. For example, the web shells identified for cleanup could actually be honeypots that were intentionally set up to gather information on threat actors, or a threat actor could booby trap the system, activating other malware if a web shell is deleted. Here's Alexander again. If you were a really nasty threat actor, you might want to then deploy ransomware in the environment. Uh, and that would allow you also to cover your tracks. The FBI's move is sure to beg a question. When will this type of action happen again and how far should it go? Because, as in this case, we likely won't know about it until after it's happened. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Recently, our executive editor of Data Breach Today in Europe, Matthew Schwartz, detailed a business email compromise scam that came to light last year that seemed particularly egregious. Allegedly a sophisticated gang involving at least two Dutch citizens and two Nigerian citizens nearly stole $18 million from a German health authority. I'm joined now by Matt himself. Very good to see you, Matt. So this story is a reminder that BEC scams have been booming. What are some of the key takeaways from this particular case? Thanks, Anna. So this is a classic business email compromise scam. And actually, originally, I didn't even think it was a BEC scam because there were so many other little components involved. For example, the attackers were engaging, allegedly, in what's called advanced fee fraud, where they try to get money out of someone in advance of giving them something, as well as money laundering. But it's a fascinating case because it involves a couple of suspects who are Nigerian, one of whom was living in the Netherlands and allegedly conspiring with two Dutch citizens in order to run a number of scams. Now, one of these scams was really awful. They managed to convince a buyer for a German state's health authority that he was going to be getting 10 million face masks last March. So at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, this is beyond cynical, right? This is desperately needed health equipment. And the German buyer had been looking everywhere for it, had some leads that didn't work out, and then turned out that there was this alleged source. So what the BEC attackers did, which is common for this kind of attack, is they managed to compromise some legitimate email address in order to make the ruse look more real. They also built or cloned, I guess I should say, a website for a legitimate supplier. So the German buyer thought he was interacting with the legitimate, well-regarded Dutch supplier for these face masks. He wire transferred money from the German health authority to the attackers. They came back later and said, oh, where is it? We haven't gotten it. We need you to immediately transfer some more or the whole order's canceled. So they transferred some more. And as this unfolded, he went to the Dutch company's headquarters and said, I know we've been having some difficulty. I want to make sure everything's okay. And they said, we don't know who you are. We've never done business with you. So he quickly alerted some authorities and thankfully they were able to interrupt the flow of funds. But I just think this is a fascinating reminder that attackers will use any potential event to their fraudster advantage. So fascinating, awful. Is any of this surprising? 
Absolutely not. And in fact, law enforcement officials, since practically the moment the pandemic began, were warning that scammers were sure to turn this to their advantage. Here's a media interview conducted late last year with Frank Mabu, a Nigeria police commissioner, speaking about this exact. We made it very clear that scammers uh, within Nigeria and other parts of the world are beginning to find ways, creative ways for that matter, to take advantage of the fears and the needs generated by the pandemic. And that is also not uh, surprising because everywhere in the world, criminals will always take advantage of situations. They will take advantage of war situations. They will take advantage of pandemic. They will take advantage of natural disaster. They will even take advantage of big time celebrations like Olympic and World Cup and find very creative ways to actually fleece innocent citizens of their hard-earned income. And that's exactly what happened here. So Matt, finally, what are essential defenses to have in place? Well, like a lot of top attacks today, be it ransomware or business email compromise, it is essential for people running security defense to look at how these attacks work so that they can learn from what attackers are doing. A lot of times they're not reinventing the wheel. We're seeing updates, variations. I think with this particular scam that we're talking about, the use of the cloned website is particularly tricky when it comes to dealing with the attackers, but also the fact that they had compromised legitimate email accounts to make it look more real. So I think if you're an organization that could move money to someone, you need to be looking at this attack and saying, if we got hit in this manner, real looking emails, a real looking website of someone who was going to supply us something, what would we need to do in a different band, so out of band, in order to verify that all these things are true? Maybe you need to be using some phone numbers or looking for references and trying to find ways of unraveling the ways in which people could trick you. Obviously all of this adds time, energy, attempting to maintain these kinds of business processes can be challenging, but especially with these fraudulent wire transfers, attackers might get a million dollars or more, as we saw in this case, wired to their accounts, and then they can quickly wire it to other accounts, and then it's gone. So if you think you've suffered this kind of attack, as happened in this scam, talk to your bank, because they were able to alert Interpol, Europol, local authorities, and it looks like they got all the money back. But also do some tabletop access. Try to think like an attacker. If you wanted to steal 10 million whatever from your company, how would you go about doing it? And do you have the right defenses in place? So it's well worth the effort and the energy. Definitely. If you can stop an attack like this, or at least slow it down, you're buying yourself valuable time and you might have saved yourself five or $10 million at least. At least. Great advice as always. Thanks so much, Matt. Thank you, Anna. And finally, we've certainly had our fair share of drama this year. And if you need a reminder, the pandemic and the accompanying rush to remote work conditions, as well as the solar winds breach and other high profile attacks. So how will these events fundamentally change the development of security products? Well, this was a question posed by our Senior Vice President of Editorial, Tom Field, when he spoke recently with Edna Conway, VP, Chief Security and Risk Officer for Azure at Microsoft. Here's her response. So start to think about Siam and think about what we do with public-facing websites, services, apps, etc. There's, I think, 
an area where it's not a lift and shift. It's turn the dial and think about not just identity and access management, think about the customer identity and access management and how it's outward facing. And what has happened over the last year is you've got to sit there and think about, holy mackerel, they're doing everything in this environment and they want it instantaneously. And if I don't deploy this right, they're not going to get outsourced single sign-on. They're not going to get password blacklist. They're not going to hopefully embrace password lists. So I think there is an incremental shift that COVID sort of kicked us in a certain part of the body, right? And said, you know, what are you doing? Move faster. And now that we have the cloud as a stable environment, we have an opportunity to do more within it and do more around identity. That's it from the ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Anna Delaney. Until next time. Oh,